Hello everyone, thank you for joining with us on Women in Foreign Policy podcast today. This is Kritika Narayan, Interviews Contributor for Women in Foreign Policy and I am excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode, Arora Akanksha. Arora Akanksha is a United Nations Financial Auditor who is running for Secretary General of the United Nations, a role no woman has ever held before. Hello Arora, thank you for joining with us today. In what I consider a very bold move, you recently announced your candidacy for the next UN chief. As the youngest candidate in history, what are the three key driving factors behind your decision to announce your candidacy? The three decisions that affected me were, first of all, I believe in the UN. I know UN is capable of doing great things, but it's not doing so today. And I'll give you a few examples. Today, we have the highest number of refugees, displaced and stateless people in the world. And these are people who are not voters in any country. They don't have social media to tell their stories. UN is the only one who can take care of them. And they're failing to do their job, basic job of meeting their humanitarian needs, which leave, leaves these people to have to fend for themselves. Uh, for every dollar the UN receives, 30 cents is used for the cause. The rest goes to bureaucracy. And when it comes to climate, which is an existential threat for every dollar, 15 cents is used for the cause. So the UN of today is not serving those it's supposed to do, doing the work that it's supposed to do. Secondly, for far too long, we've given the position of secretary general to one type of people. We've given it to all men, all older, all with one experience profile politician, which means they see the job as serving politicians and not serving people. So representation needs to be there at the leadership level secretary general. Um, half of the world is women, majority is youth, yet we don't have a seat at the table. So that is why it's really important for a new generation and a new gender to take a seat. Thirdly, um, the UN of today is not really fit for purpose. We really haven't had innovative solutions, technology, and everything that the youth represents, optimism, new ideas, fresh perspective, that is absolutely missing at the UN. In fact, I'm confident that we are the missing link why UN isn't serving people the way it's supposed to serve. In whichever profession youth have been given a chance, we've disrupted the profession, we've made it better. Here, we're just not given a chance beyond donation and advocacy. Your candidacy is sending a clear signal of inclusivity. How important is it to have a more diverse and inclusive workplace, especially in organizations such as the United Nations? I think inclusivity, diversity is the ingredient that would allow different ideas and perspectives to come to the table. And that would make sure that solutions that could not have been considered previously are, are, part, of the, um, are part of our toolkit now. So UN of today does not honor representation in its true form. We have tokenism representation. You'll have one person from one country, one gender, like, you know, oh, at least we have some women. No, I think inclusivity means just first of all, actually having representation in an adequate manner and not just tokenism. And secondly, having the opportunity for people to even apply for jobs and stuff like that. I think my candidacy sending a big signal that why can't millennials apply for this job? Like who are like who this old guard, they just pretend like these, this role and this job belongs to them and not to our generation. So I think that's really important um, that inclusivity be practiced at every level not just in the jobs, but the ability to apply and be considered. You are currently an audit coordinator with the United Nations. Arora, can you tell us more about your current role and how you ended up working at the UN office in New York? So I graduated um, 
in accounting in college, became a manager with PricewaterhouseCoopers, wrote audit standards for Canada, taught audit. And then I one day I got a call from the UN that they were looking for a finance expert to help with the financial reforms of the UN. And the year was 2016. The context was that Donald Trump was elected as president of the US and uh, so was the current secretary general and financial reforms was a huge uh, prof- uh, portfolio. What has been your biggest challenge and how did you overcome it? The biggest challenge so far has been the discrimination that I have faced from member states. You know, these are member states who pride themselves as someone who in- like allows public participation honors democracy, women inclusivity, and youth uh, empowerment. But um, so far, I think the behavior that the member states have exhibited is is clearly discriminatory, and the definition of discrimination is unprejudicial behavior and unjust behavior towards someone on factors they cannot control. Um, So that has been one of the most challenging. Like, you know, I mean, Justin Trudeau, he is the Canadian prime minister, and he himself was a change candidate elected at a young age. But when it comes to like supporting candidacy of someone like him in the UN context, he hasn't really been uh, supportive. And just say like even other countries which have women leaders, they haven't been supportive. I've reached out to them twice. Um, so I think that is the part that is surprising to me because, you know, in all the speeches, these people say the right things. But then when it comes to action, it's not really the case. And I'm now hoping that Biden administration, which is like all about inclusivity, diversity, will end up at least saying the UN is not honoring the democratic election process and that should be honored. But yeah, I think that I think that's something the world should really take note that this is an institution that preaches democracy but doesn't practice it. These are member states that domestically, most of them would like are all about like free and fair elections, but when it comes to international, they, they want to bypass the process. So I think that has been the most uh, challenging aspect of this campaign. Arora, my next question to you is, do you have a role model? And if so, who and why? Um, I have to say, I don't have a specific role model, like, you know, someone who's inspired me so much, but there are a few people whose qualities I, I definitely admire. Steve Jobs is one of them. Um, what I loved about Steve Jobs, like I think going back to 1984, the creation of Macintosh was at that time, the market, the computer market is like, you know, people are too dumb. Um, computers are too smart. We'll never be able to create anything for public consumption. Like personal computer wasn't even on the radar. And he challenged that. He said, no, people are smart. If you give them a tool, they can do great things. And I think that was the invention of Macintosh and the whole era of personal computers. Um and look where we are today because of someone having faith in people. So he's someone who's, who I've definitely admired, just that forward visionary thinker uh, to always realize that technology is the tool for advancement of people and belief in people. And then, of course, to challenge status quo. You recently released your vision statement as part of your campaign. Can you tell us more about it? So what I'm really proud of in this vision statement is that it was prepared in consultation with um, 200 experts and 300 volunteers who've been part of the movement for a new UN. What I'm really proud of is just how action-oriented it is. You know, the vision for UN was set up in 1945 to promote peace and security, rule of law, human rights, and development. The vision hasn't really changed. We haven't realized that vision, which is why this is an action statement. 
And uh, a few key elements I'd highlight here are member states. You know, the UN of today is not even serving all governments properly. The only service we offer is like conference management and a platform for them to come and discuss. But what I'm saying is let's help them with digitization. A lot of developing countries don't need conferences to help them develop. They need, they need resources to help them digitize so they can perform their functions, and they can deliver services to the people. The refugee is something that's always been important for me because I know these are people, there are 85 million that need support right now. It's important that in refugee camps, we allow them to work and not really um, have international and other staff come and serve them. Again, we need to invest in providing them with tools to succeed, which is internet and education. Um, and a few other things I'd highlight is conflict resolution. Like, you know, I mean, today the world is going through so many conflicts. When it comes to conflict resolution, we only rely on political mediation. And even that we only engage, like only politicians go talk to each other. But what we need is disciplinary aspect of like having negotiators, having trained psychologists, having all these experts to understand the psyche of the person engaging in the behavior um, of breaking the rule of law or abusing human rights. And I think we, we really need to capitalize on that. And I'll give an example. You know, in a society when there is a crime and we identify that there's perhaps a, a serial killer on the loose, all like the entire police department division engages with experts like psychologists, uh, criminologists to understand, okay, what is this person thinking? How do we understand them? But when it comes to conflict, we only just, it's almost like politicians going to each other to say, hey, hey, you've killed enough stop now no like i think we really need to understand the psyche of the person and then diffuse the situation finally if you could give three pieces of advice for young women aspiring to take up leadership positions at international organizations and other domains what would they be so my three pieces of advice my first one would be that entrepreneurial spirit if you have this fire to do great work don't wait for a job to get it just start doing it right now. Because even because one thing that a lot of people realize when you get a job at the UN is that UN is not doing great things. Your job ends up becoming writing a report um, and, and like not doing things that you signed up to do. And it's important at that time to remember that it's not the job that was your goal, it was the objective. And that can be achieved anytime without even having a job. So I would say that uh, lean in on your entrepreneurial skills to start doing whatever you want to do right now. Secondly, I would say is collaboration is critical. No one can do anything alone. So it's important to collaborate. And what that collaboration looks like is not a collaboration of networking to get a job, but more like collaboration to problem solve. Like let's say you're passionate about women empowerment in the world and there's already someone doing great things. I think it's important to reach out to them to say, how can you be part of it or how can you build or expand on it? So collaboration. My third thing would be for young girls and women to support each other. It's so critical that um, women support each other. And I think what in this campaign I've realized is an ugly truth that we know, but we don't talk about that women don't support women. And I don't know what it is. Is it something called a queen bee syndrome where like, you know, if you're get, getting attention, you don't want others to share it. So like, you know, those women who become heads of state just think that that's where things should end uh, and no one else should be given a chance. Or is it um, something in our biology that we think that like, you know, we have to compete with each other. Um, so I, I think that's an ugly truth, which we as women have to confront that we don't help other women. So I would encourage every young woman 
to make it a goal to help other women and it's not that they will not achieve their goals they will just get things done faster if they support each other arora thank you so much for joining with us on the women in foreign policy podcast today i'm sure many young women listening to this podcast right now from around the world were truly inspired by your words we at women in foreign policy wish you all the very best for your campaign thank you for joining us thank you so much for having me